Welcome everybody to the Maze of Thoughts podcast. I am Apollyon and with me is Dice Dracul. How's it going? It's going good. Happy early Christmas to everyone. It's great to be back. Oh gosh. All right. Okay. And Miss Nomer, hello. Hello, everybody. And happy wait, yeah, we're at the beginning of December, right? Happy early winter time. Yay. Ah, that's better. Winter time, that's better. So hope you guys had a great week. And we are here back to uh do another episode of the Maze of Thoughts podcast. I'm gonna kick it off with my topics here. Okay. So I am not aware if you are aware that uh, the Article 13 is a thing going on in the European Union. Now, of course, this is not affecting America in any way, shape or form right now as they introduce this into the European Union. However, as you probably know, things that happen here and are lucrative towards businesses and whatnot are eventually introduced in other parts of the world as well because well that's what they want they want money companies want money most companies don't even care about people they just care about money and as and getting as much profit as possible so basically what the article 13 said until today that i read a thing basically from representatives uh in Portugal in terms of the Article 13 and the European Union overall, it basically was a way of sort of controlling the internet and controlling the platforms that share content and things that are rightfully from other people because they created so. And as you probably know, the internet is kind of out of control with this type of stuff because there's people, for example, there's, if you go on YouTube and you type Pink Floyd live, there's a tremendous amount of different channels with DVDs and even bootlegs and whatnot from Pink Floyd that you can watch. Now, from the point of view of a user, my opinion is this is bad, of course, because, I mean, we probably would be losing the ability and the convenience of going on YouTube and just typing the name of an album or the name of something else, like a live or whatever, and you possibly get that album fully available to you on YouTube that you can pretty much stream anywhere where you have internet. With this article in place, you probably wouldn't be able to do that because they would probably take it down on account of, well, that's not really the band's channel or the label's channel or any other organization behind it. So basically, this article is sort of like to protect the rights of people that create content, whether it's musicians, whether it's YouTubers, whether it's Twitch streamers, whether it's people on Facebook making memes and all of this and all that. So if you are aware of this, I would like your opinion. And if you're not aware of this based on what I just said, what do you think about this? Well, um, when it comes to businesses making money and outsourcing their services and products, it's always really bad for the people in the country because they normally have to exploit them for one reason or another. So um, I'm not 
very well versed in business or economics. Uh, so I can only go based on my opinion and what I've seen from other um, situations that have occurred. But uh, so, for example, um, net neutrality is one thing uh, that has to do with different countries kind of charging their citizens to utilize the internet. Um, because of net neutrality, people get to have access in, to the internet essentially for free or for a very affordable rate um, without being exploited for that service that essentially in today's world is very necessary for people to function. Um, by putting or allowing companies to charge people more for better access to something is a way to definitely segregate certain communities and um, populations. So I see that translating in most business models as well. So if it ever comes down to having people pay more for a certain good, especially the people within a country, um, it's not going to end well. I've never heard of this before, um, but I looked it up right now. And then um, the article that I found titled Article 13 as the meme ban. So I already dislike it. So, um, yeah, this doesn't look too good. So it's saying that... Um, Websites that host large amounts of user-generated content like YouTube or Twitter or Facebook are responsible for taking down content that infringes on copyright. So if they, like, make a meme with something that's already, like, a copyrighted thing, like, let's say a TV show, they're legally able to take it down? Or, I mean, that, that sounds about right. Um, again, that's segregating the market. Yeah. How would they even be able to keep track of everything that's being posted? It's probably going to come up as a search um, via search engines or uh, they might get notified. I kind of feel like you don't really like you're just, you know, searching it up and whatnot. Uh, and as Americans, you probably were not uh, presented with this yet. So I'm just going to be reading an article here from the wired.co.uk, which basically says... The European Parliament has voted in favor of a controversial new copyright directive that could force tech giants to do much more to stop the spread of copyrighted material on their platforms. The European Union Directive on Copyright in, in the Digital Single Market, to give it its full name, is designed to update existing copyright laws for the Internet age. Simply put, the Directive on Copyright places more responsibility on websites such as YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to make sure that copyrighted materially isn't being illegally shared on their platforms. I agree with this. Until now, the onus has mostly been on the copyright holders, usually the companies that produce audio, video, or written content to enforce copyright protection, but under the new law, this responsibility will shift onto the major platforms themselves. At the heart of the Directive on Copyright, are two d divisive articles, Article 11 and Article 13, that have been dubbed the linked hacks and meme banner articles, respectively. Critics of the Directive on Copyright argue that these articles mean that platforms will have to pay a fee to share a link to a news article and have to start filtering and removing memes. But the Directive on Copyright isn't law yet. It still has to go through a series of steps before it becomes finalized as a new directive, and then it still has to be implemented in law by member states. To help clear things up, here's Wired's guide to the EU directive on copyright. And then it says, what is the directive on copyright? The European Union directive on copyright 
in the digital single market is a proposed European Union directive that is designed to limit how copyrighted content is shared on online platforms. EU directives are a form of legislation that set an objective for member states to achieve. So if the directive on copyright passes, all EU member states will be expected to eventually pass their own domestic legislation in line with the terms of the directive. The Directive on Copyright is sometimes referred to as Article 13 after its most controversial component, the article that would require online platforms to filter or remove copyrighted material from their websites. It's this article that people think could be interpreted as requiring platforms to ban memes, but more on that later. The Directive on Copyright would make online platforms and their aggregator sites liable for copyright infringements and supposedly direct more revenue from tech giants towards artists and journalists. Under current legislation, platforms such as YouTube are responsible for copyright violations, although they must remove that content when directed to do so by the right holders. Proponents of the directive on copyright argue that this means that people are listening to, watching, and reading copyrighted material without the creators being properly paid for it, while the amended version of the directive on copyright is made up of 17 individual articles. The most substantial and controversial points are Article 13 and Article 11. Now, as as it says here, I agree with this to a certain extent. Now, if they are smart enough to develop this article and develop this law and this legislation, that it it sort of gives the rightful owners of the copyright their you know, what, what's theirs? Because if you create something, you don't want it all over the place making money for other people and you're just like, you know, with nothing, right? You want people to maybe listen to it or watch it or whatever, but you want to also, if, the, if they're making money, you if you hold the rights to that, you should yourself, you should have money. You should get that money as well probably even more than they do. Now, of course, this is kind of a controversial thing because a lot of people are seeing, you know, the big names like Sony, Universal, you know, Columbia, whatever, those companies that hold the rights for many things, music, movies, and, and you know, entertainment-wise, to be the ones that are going to be uh, profiting the most with this. Now, of course, you know, I mean... From again, from the point of view of a user who likes to go on YouTube and let's say I want to listen to I don't know some some band that's probably not popular anymore. It's not on Spotify. It's nowhere. I go on YouTube. I I type it and it probably shows something, but it's not from their channel. It's not from them. It's from someone else. Now the thing is, typically what YouTube does right now in terms of this is. Typically, they don't monetize the video, or if they monetize the video, all the revenue that is gained from that video goes towards the, you know, the label or whoever whoever holds the copyrights for that, you know, for that uh, thing, whatever it is, music, videos, uh, movies, whatever. Now, from the point of view of someone who was in music, from someone who created music and from someone who used these platforms. I agree with this because if I make music and I want to share the music with the world and whatnot, 
I don't want other people making money with my music. That doesn't make any sense. Like, wh what exactly do they do? Clicked on a few things, created a, a quote-unquote video, which is basically like the album cover with the music, and then the video is available on the internet. And this video probably even gets more views on their channel than mine, which is my thing, my music, my content. So why is it getting more exposure there with someone else than me and on my stuff? Maybe they have more exposure. Maybe they are more influential than I am. But that doesn't make any sense. Why should they have money when I don't, when I created that? So, again, from the point of view of a creator, I think this is great. From the point of view of a user, I think it's going to be sort of like, it's, it's, it's going to be unconventional. It's going to be sort of like a, a, a nuisance to a certain extent. But I do agree that it, the internet needs some sort of protection for a lot of things. And a lot of people are making react videos using the, the content of other people where they're not adding anything to it. Yes, there is fair use, but fair use has to be sort of, how can I put this? Fair use has to be considered like fair use to a certain extent. It can't be always fair use. Like you have people making react videos where they just sit in front of a camera, not doing anything. They're not doing anything. They're just watching the video and they're just like, oh, wow. Ah, so cool. Wow. I love that. It's like, I don't care that you like that. I don't care that you like that. If you're going to react to something, at least add something to it. Say something about it. Put something in there. Then I would consider it fair use. If you are using, let's say, let's say a channel that reacts to videos and they react to... I don't know, like some Overwatch animated short that they just released and they go there and they put the camera on and they put the little window with the Overwatch animated short and they watch that. They don't add any, they are not adding anything to the Overwatch short, but they're making money because it's considered fair use. Now, this is what we need to bring down from YouTube and the internet because this is not content. This is not content. I don't care of watching your face smile or grin or whatever while you watch a video. I don't care about that. If you're going to add something to it, if you're going to try to, you know, break it down or, or sort of like uh, misconstruct or whatever the terms are, then sure, I agree with that. Like there's a lot of things that should be reacted to and I agree with that. But other things, it's just like, no, 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 stop that. No, it's not fair use. You're not adding anything. You're not really making anything better. It's just stupid. So you're basically saying that Article 13 or Rule 13 is a way of protecting people's intellectual property. Um, yes, exactly. From, from plagiarism. Yes. Because that's essentially what it is. If somebody takes something that doesn't belong to them and then utilizes it for their own purposes without giving credit to someone else or the original creator, that's plagiarism. Um, that's yes. what we're taught not to do in almost every level of academia. But since we have so much access to different content on the internet, I can understand how that would be incredibly frustrating that if you made music and you find out that someone's utilizing your music and making money off of it without actually crediting the original source so you can get in on that action and you don't, um, I completely understand and 
believe that that should t- definitely be implemented. And yes. So this is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, in my view, this is just the uh, sort of like um, a. Uh, I'm missing the words now, but it's 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 kind of like making the fair use law something bigger and something more strict, not just oh yeah, you're using that because you're making your own content, as I just explained with the reacts. Eh, so it's fine. No, it's not fine. It's not fine. Again, some things are good. Re- some videos are good reacts. Like for example, when the Eminem album dropped, everybody was reacting to that. And some people were reacting nicely where they were kind of breaking down like the progress of Eminem and they were coming out with like smart things to say about it. And they were sort of like, oh, this this sounds like this. This sounds like that. This is interesting. Yada, yada, yada. Others, not really. Others were just listening to that and saying, wow, this album's so cool. Like, who gives a fuck about that shit? Why would I care that you like that album? why would i care about that well that's the thing is reacts come in different shapes and sizes so you'll have intellectual discussions about the development of the music and the content and the direction the artist was going but then you'll also have people that just want to react to whatever is happening and i think at the end of the day they have to find a way of regulating that and determining what is considered i guess appropriate for situations like that it's it's very interesting. I mean, I understand. The people that do that shouldn't be making videos or at least shouldn't be making money off those videos because they're not adding anything to society. They're not making anything better for us. They're not breaking down anything. They're not debugging anything. They're not doing anything. They're just in front of a camera being themselves smiling or grinning or whatever. That No, dude, no, that's not content. You shouldn't become a millionaire just because... You sit in front of in front of a camera. I can do that. Everybody can do that. A toddler who's five years old can do that. Probably even funnier than they are. So no, no, <laughs> stop with that. No, it, I mean, it's time to stop these things, and it's time to sort of step down on it and say, "Listen, the internet is out of control, and and we need to do something about this." Now, this might backlash onto me, but I just want to make clear. That, again, I'm not 100%. This is why I mentioned this before. This needs to be done in a smart manner. This can't be done. Like, even the guy that was, I think there was a guy in the parliament who got incredibly happy with the article of the 13 being approved. And he didn't even know what it was. And this kind of became viral and it was all over the place and whatnot. But listen, it's, that's, that's the thing. They need to know what they're doing. Which, I mean, I guess we can sort of like go towards the next subject with what I'm talking about here, which is like, you need to take consideration all your options and you need to carefully think about all of them. And you need to make this so that the people that make original creative content are not sort of getting destroyed with this new rule and with this new... um with this new um missing the words god damn it with this new uh legislation basically so and we can sort of go towards the next subject with that which is basically the future of mankind is it scary is it fascinating and 
I came up with this topic on account of watching yesterday. Do you trust this computer, which has a lot of geniuses in front of a camera talking about computers, social media, and how computers are evolving? And in my opinion, it is both. It is also fascinating and it is also scary. Because, again, if they are not smart with how they develop things and with how things progress, it could be scary. Very scary. When it comes to technology overall and the access that we give it to our lives, it's incredibly scary. Like There is no such thing as privacy anymore, in my opinion, because your computer, your smartphone knows where you are at any given time, who you're talking mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what you're purchasing. There is privacy. You just have to know how to do it. Exactly. Just, but I'm saying... If you put yourself on the internet and you open yourself towards the world, you're not going to have privacy, obviously. I mean, you're opening yourself to it. Exactly. You, know? so you have to all, know to keep yourself private. We're also not taught. I mean, it's not something that is it taught. It should be common sense. Come on. Oh, you'd be surprised. I'm talking about like people that are growing up in the age of information um, don't know how to limit or aren't exposed to the ways that you can limit your information that's being shared consistently. I mean, initially, Facebook started out as a like literally a social networking for businesses and college students and things like that. But now it's just a social media network in which we share photos of our families and we talk about everything under the sun and we have access to our bank accounts, our phone numbers, our email addresses to the point where if we wanted to, we could put our entire life and identity onto Facebook and have pretty much the world access it. But I mean, it's not ever since the leak happened, um, I think that was, it was this year. Yeah. There was a leak with Facebook information that was talking. Uh, the whole Cambridge Analytica deal. Yeah. Uh, basically people were shocked at how much information was being shared. They didn't realize how much access the internet had to their lives. And it wasn't until it was stark in their face that they were like, wait a minute. Oh my God, that's what's been happening this whole time. And it's, I mean, it's surprising when you put it in a statistical format. It actually allows you to see the patterns that are perpetuated. But I mean, I really don't think many people can see how much access they put out there. You see, but that's the exact stupidity of mankind just represented right there. It's the literal representation of mankind's stupidity. So you use a tool and you use it without knowing what it does or how it works, how it functions. Like, listen, I mean, you don't even need to be a genius to get around that. You just have to have common sense. Like I said before, it's just common sense. That's all it takes. Nothing else. Like, just have common sense while you use these tools and these things. Like, for example, before as an electrician, if I was performing a task, if I was doing something, I needed tools. But if you don't know what the tools do, how do you grab the tools and you perform the task? You have no idea how to perform with that tool. You need to be taught that, sure, but you can also use common sense because sometimes certain tools are pretty obvious and pretty intuitive. 
right? So you grab the tool, you look at what you have to do. You're like, uh, okay, so this is a screwdriver. That screw has that shape. So maybe I should insert that there and rotate it. Maybe it does things. It's intuitive. Just do it. Try it. <sighs> so if you're using these tools, you need to understand, you need to know that these tools have negatives as they have positives. Now, the positives are, of course, you have contact with the rest of the world. Of course, you you are able to create businesses from scratch with these tools. But again, just have common sense to not have all your information or even uh, sensitive information on there. That's easy as hell. It's it's super easy. Just, again, use your brain. It's a muscle. It should be exercised. And in the times to come, being all jacked up and whatnot, it's not going to matter. If there is a war of the machines, your muscle does not mean shit if you are dumb as a rock. Uh, but I, that's what I mean as far as the development of humankind. I mean, the internet is relatively new compared to other inventions that we've been utilizing for hundreds of years. And so when it comes to discovery, humans do have to go through a long process of trial and error. I mean, that's the basis of science, mathematics, pretty much any statistical um, analysis that needs to be done has to undergo trial and error first. So we don't always know everything right off the bat. We may have an inkling or a semblance of understanding of something, but there's always going to be setbacks and things that present itself that we can't be uh, cognitive of all the time. And I think the internet is one of those things that is still under development. As technology begins to advance, we're moving further and further away from what we initially understood about it. And as we dive into AI technology, that's uncharted territory. I mean, that's there's only so much we know right off the bat. We can definitely surmise but that's the extent of it. We won't know until we try. So, I mean, telling people that they should already know how to do things is just, it's, that's not how it works. We have to figure it out. And there are guinea pigs, unfortunately. And a lot of people whose information is stolen, I would consider them to be the guinea pigs of progress because they show us what not to do. See, the thing is, the internet the internet is not really a very new thing. I mean, the internet has been around for, you know, since the 80s, pretty much. And then it's just been evolving. That's the thing, though. The internet is like a, a living organism that's evolving as we evolve. So we are inputting information in, onto the internet and it's it grows as we grow. So it's kind of like its own world. The internet has become its own world and its own, like, organism or whatever. So I just think people are lazy and people really don't care until things really go south, down south. So until that moment, people do not care. It's just like you won't have a riot. You won't have people revert to violence until they can't you know, feed themselves. When they can't feed themselves or their families, then a riot comes into place but until that time until that moment they're like eh whatever i can still eat i can still buy this i can still have that 
So people only do things. People only care about things until or when shit hits the fan. That's when people start caring about things. Until that moment, everybody's just like, you know, whatever, let's live our lives and who cares? But that's the problem. That's the problem. If you start caring about things from the get-go, then maybe, and not maybe, for real, for, for certainly, you would be a lot better than you are nowadays. So just stop be paying attention a lot sooner. Because the internet is, is not a, uh, it's not rocket science. Not for us users anyways. For those who program it, perhaps. For us who use it, it's not rocket science. Everything, like you just need to read the terms of service when you're using Facebook. But people don't. <laughs> How many people, people read the terms of service? <laughs> people don't. That's exactly no. what happened with the whole Zuckerberg <laughs> Uh, thing I saw that I saw the entirety of it and I, I think we even talked about it I, I maybe I talked about it uh, in another platform but I I saw the entirety of the thing okay and one of the reasons or one of the things that they had to change was the terms of service because they felt like the terms of service in place at the time were way too much for the average person to read or even understand so it's like it's literally saying, hey, you guys are too stupid to understand this. So we need to dumb this down so that you can, you know, actually understand what you're using. I mean, come on. Shouldn't we be very smart by now? Like is is we're kind of reverting in, 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 a, in a sense where we're going back into like the age of of of. Uh, primates and, and whatnot we're going back to those times we're going back to being the stupidest ever i mean come on like what in 30 years you're gonna have terms of service saying this is dangerous use with caution there's so many movies that represent that exact train of thought like if like, come on man. idiocracy is the it's the pinnacle of what could happen as far as the the evolution of humanity because people don't think it's terrible. Like, ah, I can't stand that movie, but I understand it's supposed to be a comedy, but it's also strikingly true in some aspects, as far as how people process information. Also, if you think about the movie, Wally, uh, the Pixar movie, that mm -hmm. movie talks about how technology kind of ruins us or we allow technology to ruin us to the point where it's caring for us. It, we don't feel the need to do anything because we've constructed technology to take care of things for us. And it's, it's a scary reality to consider only because we are getting into this age where instant gratification is more desirable than actual hard work and achievement. And that is one of the things that they talk about in this documentary, Do You Trust This Computer? They talk about, like, what is what are the first things that humans want to do when they build robots is make robots behave like humans and be like humans as much as possible. So they want to give them human voices. They want to give them uh, body, human body shapes. They want to give them human trace like emotions like conscience like feelings like all of these things and like why dude why we're so flawed we're completely flawed 
We could be making so much better with robots, like make robots what they're supposed to be, robots, like no emotions, programs running, and that's pretty much it. There was one of the one one thing that was quite scary when I was watching the documentary. They were talking about this little robot that they created with like four legs and whatnot. It was kind of like uh, one of those crab-like creatures in, uh, well, either alien or uh, it was more like Half-Life's little oh, crab oh, thing. Like the face huggers from um, Alien? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was oh, kind of like those. that thing. But it was it was with four legs, and basically they programmed the robot, and the robot was supposed to not know anything. So basically, the robot was exactly as if it was just born. It was just a toddler born learning things, and the robot learned how to walk pretty quickly. Basically, what they then say is that they also had when they were evaluating everything, they also noticed a neuron on the robot's system that was tracking face uh, face uh, expressions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's kind of like, well, but they also say that the robot was not programmed to track any face expressions or anything, but it was doing it. So it's like, hmm, could this be like a flawed program that is kind of doing something else that is not supposed to do it's also doing what it's supposed to do because most of the program is based for that but it's also doing something that it's not supposed to do which is recognize face expressions and whatnot so this is this is the scary part of these things consequences this is the scary part of this it's that we again it's just like article 13 we need to be smart how we develop these things and how these things will progress. Because, again, as Elon Musk says on that documentary as well, I think I referred this before, but it, it basically he says that if we're building a road and there's an ant farm in that road, we don't hate the ants. We don't really care the fact we don't want to get rid of the ants we don't want to kill the ants but we end up doing it anyways because we want to build that road so we're going to build that road it doesn't really affect humanity that much or at all we just don't care so we're going to build that road on top of that ant farm anyways and we're going to kill ants and we're going to destroy their home and whatnot so what do you think robots that can be reading the internet in the matter of days they could probably do it in a matter of one day even hours or minutes and have the whole information from the internet and basically using that to know that we are weak that we are emotional that we are fragile that we are very easy to kill they would know our weaknesses they would know our flaws they would know how greedy, selfish, stupid we are. And they would have no issues destroying us whatsoever. So technically, they would be getting rid of a quote-unquote virus, basically, because they would be the higher form of evolution. Uh, it's, so, it's a really, really scary uh, concept to consider.
again, like um, another movie that comes to mind, iRobot, um, starring Will Smith. That's a good one. Oh my gosh. That one really kind of encapsulates that fear that Will Smith's character plays where he's, he's already skeptical because of his experience. Um, yeah, his, yeah, he's skeptical about robots because of his experience with one. Uh, when one like saves his life instead of going after a child because they're logical, they're not emotional beings in any sense. So they're going to go with what logic dictates, despite, you know, the aftermath and how it impacts those around them. And it's just, oh, it's such a cool movie to look at when it comes to how uh, artificial intelligence can impact society if we allow it to go out of control. Even if we program them a certain way, there's no guarantee that they will follow that program and not possibly uh, evolve. It's it's really crazy. So there you go. I mean, basically... You have iRobot, but you also have Terminator, which is even worse. So, because Terminator... And they also mentioned that in the documentary, which is basically like, you know, if we... So, basically, we've been predicting. and we, I don't say predicting. I don't want to say predict. I say mold. We've been shaping the future through movies, science fiction, and all that shit. And... When it's science fiction, it's all good and it's all haha, so fun and, and I love that and whatnot. When it becomes science and no longer fiction, then people start getting scared. Oh, for sure. I mean, ugh. Um, I, I think that's what makes science fiction so fascinating is that it can be really fantastic to think of all the possibilities and the positives and progression of humanity. But then when you think about how dangerously wrong it could go at the same time you got to take the good with the bad what are we willing to sacrifice to achieve a level of progress for me like in regards to all this like advanced um ai and stuff what comes to mind is like the portal 2 game franchise that i've been like recently (laughs) replaying again and um i was thinking a lot about like how far technology can go and like like what you guys are talking about um if it was able to become, uh, you know, completely in control of anything. But I'm thinking probably not on its own. It couldn't, I feel like the only way technology could ever truly like overrun the human population is if we were able to put human consciousness within a, t- a type of technology thing, like what they did with Gladys. It just needs internet access, basically. It doesn't need consciousness. Well, it can only do so much, you know. I, I no, feel like it, it wouldn't even us. really have... How, could if it really AI go? has How access to the go? internet, which is a law, by the way, it's a law. There is a law when people are developing robots and artificial intelligence. You cannot uh, connect robots and artificial intelligence to the internet. There, there's a whole thing there. Because if it has access to the internet, you see, the difference is you take a week to maybe read a 500-page book. A robot takes seconds. And while you have emotions, you have problems going on with your life, you have all of these little things, the robot doesn't. So the 500 pages of that book that you just read, maybe you have to read the book again so that you actually retain the information properly. The robot robot doesn't. The robot reads that in seconds and retains the information right away. 
completely as it is said in the book or the page or whatever. And then this is this is the problem because if the robots have access to the internet and they learn how to develop themselves and develop their program, because if they are connected to the internet and they are self-learning, then they will learn how to develop themselves. Basically, they're going to be knowing all, again, as I mentioned, all our weaknesses, all our flaws, what makes us sad, what makes us happy. They're going to be controlling us. And we don't even know because we're, again, I mean, we can't even read the fucking terms of service on Facebook. So who knows what the robot is doing? I mean, you never really know with robots because they're so advanced and we still really don't know that much in regards to artificial intelligence because there's such high limitations on what we're allowed to do with it like you never know maybe an ai can develop some sort of uh like personality with feelings and they might feel sympathy rather than like thinking of destroying all of us like and and that's what makes science fiction so great is because there's so many different variations of artificial intelligence in the way robots develop like thinking of gladys how her character changes throughout the game from like bad to good and or like a different type of robot like um if you guys ever read the book or play the video game, I have no mouth, but I must scream how. Oh, I love that. Oh, my yeah, goodness. How how that like artificial intelligence is strictly evil because it knows the flaws of humanity. And instead, it first starts off as just wiping out everyone for the good of humanity, but then it becomes sadistic. It wants to torture people because it enjoys doing that, you know? So you, you really never know with artificial intelligence and how it can develop in the future. Yeah, like it develops its own sense of consciousness, which is Mm -hmm. the scariest part is not only is it I'm not going to I won't say equal to humans in that it has similar capacity to process information, but it surpasses humanity in that it doesn't have those limitations of growing old or Mm -hmm. um, having an emotional barrier when it comes to like to um, to uh, rationalizing the world around it. and. It's really, it's really weird because that would be like the push to the extinction of humanity and like making a really weird kind of segue thing. You know how people are always fascinated with creating um, androids um, that have artificial intelligence and look, think, act and speak like humans. Well, uh, when I think about it, have you guys seen the movie Goodwill Hunting? Mm. Nope. Okay. Well, there's. There's a very, that movie's basically about a guy named Will Hunting. And basically he's, he's a genius. Like everything he he reads, he retains, and he's able to kind of spit back at you. And people, he doesn't know how to socialize in any sense of the word. So he ends up seeing a therapist who's Robin Williams. And it's kind of to help him acclimate better because he's had a bunch of trauma in his life too. But one of the most prominent parts of the movie was when uh, Will said something really hurtful to Robin Williams' character um, because he was able to pick out that information and kind of use it against his own therapist. So there's a scene where they're sitting on a park bench and the therapist is like, you know, I thought about what you said to me the other day about my painting. I stayed up half the night thinking about it and something occurred to me. I fell into a deep, peaceful sleep and I haven't thought about it since. Do you know, do you want to know what occurred to me? And Will is like, no. And he's like, you're just a kid. You don't have the faintest idea of what you're talking about. And he's like, why, thank you. 
And he's like, it's all right. You've never, you're never going to get out of Boston because Will doesn't ever want to leave his town because he's comfortable there. But then the therapist goes on to say, he's like, so if I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo, you know a lot about him. Life's work, political aspirations, him and the Pope, sexual orientation, the whole works, right? But I'll bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You'll never actually stood there and looked up at the beautiful ceiling, seen that. If I asked you about women, you'd probably give me a syllabus about your personal favorites. You may have never been laid. You may have even been laid a couple of times. But you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. You're a tough kid, and I, I'd ask you about war, and you'd probably throw Shakespeare at me. Once, yeah, and he basically goes on to like tell him about how um, he's he can't possibly understand the emotional impact of the human condition because all he's done in his life was read about it. He's never actually lived, and I feel like that's how it would be with artificial intelligence, um, androids mm, and machines. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Why? Why is that? Got it. Okay, so basically, here's my insight on this. I'm not a programmer, but I've studied programming a little bit, mostly for electricity and electronics. And uh, it's basically the best thing that the guy, that the professor told us was, so when you're automating something, when you're programming something to be automatic, you are making the program and you have to make it run the what it has to do but you also have to consider all the options and all the possible situations happening you obviously are not perfect so you're not going to be able to consider all of them you know a, a meteor a meteorite could fall and there goes everything but you can't really predict that can you but basically what he said was so you want to have this cart go to a mine right and you want to have it do this this trajectory, okay? And it, you want it you want it to be automatic. You want to use sensors and whatnot. And you want to want it you want it to be automatic, but it has to get a bunch of options, a bunch of uh, situations in the program so that it performs properly without breaking after two weeks. And a lot of these options are, for example, it needs like a sensor saying if there's a person in front of the car, it needs to stop immediately. If, I don't know, there's so many options. There's so many, many, many options in this that it's, it's crazy. And these, are, these automations, they need to be programmed like this. They need to be considered a lot of things. Like, for example, I ro as you mentioned, iRobot. They are programmed to help humanity and they have those three directions or whatever it is, but they have those three things that are, they cannot do in any sort of um, circumstance, right? They can't go over that. That's the, the three things in their program that they just cannot go over, which is that one robot does. But that's also because of the program of that robot. Because it was, as it is explained, it's sort of like a, a new thing. It's sort of like the doctor gave the robot a conscience and whatnot. So the robot doesn't really go through that those three directives. It it just goes, and it just it's 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 evolving as it goes. 
So when you're programming, obviously that's science fiction. Maybe in the future it could be a reality, but that is science fiction. But I want to go through Terminator because Terminator is literally like, it's a lot more like reality because what the robots for Terminator do is what the machines do is basically try to, you know, have the upper hand and they try to they see humans as a threat why because they try to shut down skynet once it was up right so they're trying to shut it down and they're trying to get rid of it and that's the threat and they're trying to do everything that they possibly can to just bring it down and shut it down and no more skynet for anyone so that's basically what i'm saying everything needs to be taken into consideration when they're developing these AIs and when they're developing robots and all of these things, they need to take all of these options into consideration and they need to make that one button, which could, you know, it doesn't have to be a button, it could be whatever, but just for the sake of, of imagery, let's just imagine a button. But they need to make that red button that's on the wall that just shuts everything down once it goes bad. And they have to make sure that if it goes bad, the robots don't have a means of bypassing that red button and getting a sort of like a, a functionality of their own. So if that red button is pressed, it's kind of like contactors function where basically you're kind of like uh, bypassing the normally... Uh, you're basically sort of going, you're putting energy through the normally opened and then the energy goes through and it's kind of like a, a cycle that it does. So it, it keeps the contactors running. Once you press the stop button, you stop the uh, current from going through and it, it just doesn't go through anymore. So you can't really, you know, have energy in there. So that's that's just a bunch of things that they need to consider when they're developing these things. because. It could bypass that. It could bypass that and destroy us all. And it, it's, again, like a lot of the things in movies have been sort of like just a, a fiction and, and just a thing of the mind of people. But others have been realities. And it's spoopy, you know? Spoopy. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yes, it is. What are, what are you laughing about? Spoopy. That's just, that's my tickle word. Spoopy. Oh. Yeah, it's spoopy. Speaking of spoopy things, can I transition into my topic? Sure. Okay, guys. Get ready. So I watched the movie Hereditary last night. Ooh, we. So for our listeners out there, if you haven't seen the movie Hereditary and you intend to, I'd recommend not listening to this portion of the podcast and skipping ahead because I will be giving a lot of spoilers for the movie and my opinion on it. So if you don't want to be spoiled, you know, just skip forward. We have more interesting content. How about about we transition this into the end of the podcast? I also have the, I also want to talk about Venom and we go with Dice's topics and then we talk about this. What do you think? Okay. I haven't seen Venom, so I'll just. I haven't seen Venom either. 
I'll just turn my mic off and drift away for a minute. Okay, so uh, dice, let's go. Okay. I feel like this is a quick one. <laughs> okay, so um, I don't know if you guys can hear, but it's pouring cats and dogs outside. So do you guys have any rainy day customs that you do? No. Oh, I do. Ooh, let's hear them. Rainy days for me are perfect days to get my most cuddly and soft blanket that I have in my house. I wrap myself up in a cocoon. I make sure to get a glass of wine and then I turn on either my favorite movie that I want to watch for that day or I will get a video game and just play it for as long as the rain is going. Now, of course, if I don't have a video game or anything, I'll take that time to clean because I don't know what it is about listening to Celtic music on Pandora and listening to the rain outside and doing some light cleaning. It really. Why do you have to get the, 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 the mentioning there when we're not sponsored? Oh, no, <laughs> because Who cares it's not about Pandora. No, oh, my Sponsor. gosh. <laughs> it's not a I don't have like a particular group or band that I listen to. It's just like a mix of different songs and stuff. That's why I mentioned it, because if you ever wanted to, I don't know, check it out, you know where to go. But that's my Spotify. Okay, yes. Yeah, Spotify. Sponsor us. Yes. Oh, well, there we go. Yes. Spotify, please sponsor us. I enjoy Celtic music and I enjoy <laughs> listening to it pretty much every day. So if you can help us out with that, we can give you quite a few more shout outs. I don't think they're going to. Uh, I don't have <laughs> rainy day customs. I just, uh, I, 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 I like the rain. I like hearing the rain pour on the, the ceiling and, and the streets. I, I, uh, I do like feeling the rain to a certain extent. I, I don't like when, a, when it's like cold as hell and the, the water is incredibly cold and in my face gets freezing. And I remember this one time I got out of, I got out of my vocational course and I was going to pick up the bus and. Is that what you say? Pick up the bus? Is that, I don't really you pick catch it, it up. No, you yeah, catch it. I, I catch. Well, I don't really catch it. The bus catches me, but I, I get it. <laughs> Anyways, um, I go down the streets and it's raining like hell, like fucking rain, like a fucking storm. And I go down the street and I was getting all the wind and all the rain on my face. My face was freezing. I felt like I, I was dead. And then I, I was like... Uh, uh, a chick coming out of the egg, like just completely soaked. And it was not a good experience, but I do like to feel the rain when it's just like mellow. It's just like, cool. You know, it's just like relaxing, but yeah, I think rain is, is one of the, probably one of the most popular and the, one of the best white noises out there. So yeah, but I don't have customs. It's just like, you know, I, I do whatever. I feel like when it rains, my cat starts freaking out. So I have to put her in the bathroom. <laughs> poor, mm. poor cat. I think cats and dogs. You didn't put an incinerator like someone else. Oh my. <laughs> we are what? not. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. I just twitch, twitch things. Twitch things. <laughs> yeah. I was um, streaming yesterday on Twitch playing um, downpour or downfall. And there was a part where I had to put a cat in an incinerator. I'm not proud of it. It's part of the game, people. I do not like that part because I love cats. 
but it was, yeah, it catches you off guard. This, the, mm, that game has some pretty shocking imagery and content matter. So if you're ever interested in watching me stream on Twitch, I'll put my link up later. Okay. Okay. So yeah, Christmas holiday traditions. What that? Let's have it. Okay. So do you guys have any holiday traditions? Either no. uh, Christmas, New Year's, <laughs> oh winter. No. no, nothing goes on. No. Uh, oh, I Christmas. get drunk. <laughs> I can't drink. Good. Good. Yes. Good. Drinking is not all it's cracked up to be. I promise you that. But, 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 I think one of my favorite Christmas holiday uh, traditions is normally I'll spend it with my father and his family in New York. And it's kind of like one of those um, traditional nuclear family kind of Christmases where the kids get up really early. I mean, then Christmas Eve, the family spends time wrapping presents and everything and listening to Christmas music and making cookies and drinking eggnog and coquito. And then basically um, we put the presents under the tree so that the next day when the kids wake up at the crack of dawn, we can all rush downstairs and watch them open it. And we normally open it in age order. So starting from the youngest and going to the oldest person in the house. And we'll watch the movie classic A Christmas Story as they play the marathon on TBS all day long. That's so cute. Why do you guys have such cute family traditions? I don't know. Oh we're, we're, we're funny. But at my mom's house, it's a different story. It's kind it's of so a- dumb, though. Oh, my, listen it's to my story. It's super cute. <laughs> so we'll travel. For my in, uh, my mom's side of the family, we'll just travel to different people's houses, drop off presents, say hi and everything, and we'll kind of mosey on to the next house. So it depends on the year, and I'll flip-flop that way. But this year is different because I'm starting grad school soon, and I have no monies for gifts. So everybody's getting Good. a Christmas card. No, everybody's getting a Christmas card of me and my cat. So that's my gift to everybody this year. I'd give them a few words like, you better behave. Or you will not succeed in life. <laughs> okay. There's my gift. The the best Christmas present. That that's it right there. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you guys have fun. <laughs> Come on, all it's <laughs> not the best fucking present. You know you want the latest laptop or the latest computer, or fucking iPhone. You kid. <laughs> I mean, uh. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu doesn't sound too of bad. Of course. <laughs> of course. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I well, knew see, it. I'm saving up for Kingdom Hearts 3, but that doesn't come oh. out until January. So that's why I'm celebrating later by buying that for myself. Woohoo! Treat yourself. I'm hoping to become uh, an individual in society that can contribute to something bigger than myself <laughs> okay i'm hoping to be able to help others by being myself i'm hoping should, to make the world better you should dress up as santa and uh do I parkour could, or something paint my hair white and my beard white just, and no, i'm just already get away. fat so yeah no. <laughs> just yeah that'd away. be so cool just you get away but you have to have like a cool talent along with that. Like if you know how to juggle swords, you could be like a Santa that juggles swords. Oh, I can burp. I can burp like a, a boss. 
Oh my god. And then if you put like a match in front of it, you can like burp a giant flame. Imagine seeing Santa do that. It, That'd it be doesn't so work cool. like that. <laughs> Santa's a firebender. <laughs> you don't you don't burp with a match and it produces no. I saw that on Scooby Doo. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it must be true. I mean if Scooby can do it then it's fact. Mm-hmm. Okay, are are we done with the traditions and whatnot? Because fuck Christmas. Yes. To what? Cool. Okay. All right. Well, hereditary. Oh, all right. So, um, I'm just gonna read really quick the synopsis for the movie that was featured on Rotten Tomatoes, just hold so on, everybody. Before you go on, <laughs> just gonna give my the movie's trash. It really is. It's trash. And yes, I mean, if you don't feel like listening to the rest of my review, that is your, but it is, it's trash. And I'll tell you why after I read this. I'll listen to your review. Thank you. So I'm going to do the the synopsis really quick. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) When Ellen, the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter's family begins to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry. The more they discover, the more they find themselves trying to outrun the sinister fate they ha- they seem to have inherited. Making his feature debut, writer-director Ari Aster unleashes a nightmare version of a domestic breakdown that exhibits the craft and precision of a nascent auteur, transforming a familial tragedy into something ominous and deeply disquieting and pushing the horror movie into chilling new terrain with its shattering portrait portrait of heritage gone to hell. Oh Lord. So I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I thought this movie was a psychological thriller because it begins with obviously the grandmother dying and the family being really sad about it. So mother, father, uh, son, and daughter. Now, it's very clear when you see the daughter that there's something a little off about her. And I'm going to stretch... Obviously, the daughter was the most uh, affected by the death of the grandmother because the grandmother kind of, you know... Raised her, yeah. The grandmother raised her. The mother, not so much because she is a... She creates models for, I guess, a company uh, and, you know... Makes them by hand, so she creates little. It also dioramas. feels sorry to interrupt you, but it also feels like the mother sort of doesn't like. I think the mother was expecting uh, an actual like daughter, daughter. Just the daughter acts a lot like a kid, like yeah. a, a boy, and she was expecting a an actual daughter, and she's not really like a daughter. She's more like another son. So they hint at it throughout the movie that the girl, little girl, um, was supposed to be a boy. Or they, yeah, they were expecting her to be a boy, but she was born a girl. And she always felt kind of weird about that. She also seems to have, like, you know, a really strange dis- disposition about her. And um, makes, like, a clicking noise with her mouth that's really unsettling for most people. Because, you know, it's a noise that you don't hear, generally. Um, but... Needless to say, her big brother is just a typical high school kid and his mom wants them to spend more time with one another. Like there's a lot of under under wraps, like 
dysfunction within this family. And it becomes more apparent when tragedy strikes and the girl is killed. Um, the little girl dies. And it's the son's fault. Now, he harbors that trauma as well as the guilt and the grief. And the mother is already just lost her mom and comes from a history of tragedy due to mental illness. So it's kind of like this really downward spiral involving the family. Uh, I thought it was a psychological thriller, but it turned out to be really supernatural in nature. And that's where it really went wrong for me. That it, again, I, I've already talked about this movie in the podcast before, I think, like. Mm -hmm the first episodes and yeah because you saw it I, I say exact i say the exact same thing as i said before when the, the the mother starts crawling up walls and turning her head fucking 360 degrees what what i was enjoying the movie up to this point and now you fuck it up with this shit i'm tired of this bullshit it's just a rant it's, just, it's gotten old now oh yeah like i feel this movie could have taken such a better term in terms of following like an occultist um direction with a hint of mental illness dipped in there that would have been just fine but the fact that they went into like seances and ritualistic uh practices and it just it just got overwhelming really quickly and they dumped a whole lot on you by the end of the movie i mean admittedly there were some parts that made me jump and kind of creep me out like the part where um what was it just after the boy wakes or like when he's in the classroom and he's hearing the clicking of his sister around his head and it's clear that he's the only one that hears this and he's really freaking out and then he raises his hand and the teacher calls on him but it looks like he's having maybe like a stroke or something and then starts slamming his face into the desk that part got me because if I were to have seen that in real life, I probably would have reacted exactly the way the other classmates and teacher reacted, where I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this boy? Somebody come get been, him. Bang that table harder, you piece of shit. <laughs> See? And then anyway. And then it just got worse from there. So <laughs> you just see all I'm these sorry, naked sorry. people standing in the periphery of the screen. And then, like, what the hell? When the boy turned around to see the naked dude standing in the doorway, that freaked me the fuck out. I'm just going to, I was like, what is going on? Why? <laughs> but it was more creepy than anything. Like, it didn't scare me. I was just like, what the hell? And it just got weirder from there. So ultimately, if you're looking for a psychological horror, Hereditary is not the movie for you. If you're looking for a movie that has to do with occultist behavior oh, and dude, supernatural, I'm watch that. I remember the name of a movie that I watched. It's really good. Oh, fuck. I forgot the name. But I also talked about it on, on the podcast before. So, But I agree with you. I think the, the for me, the only unsettling part of the movie, the whole fucking movie, was the mother sort of like uh sawing her or not i mean kind of sawing oh, with yeah, her, yeah, wire yeah, yeah. or whatever oh, her own fucking weird. neck <laughs> that, <laughs> was that, weird. that was the only unsettling part of the whole movie the rest is yeah i've seen this shit it's fucking <sighs> no i mean unsettling too was just the naked people just standing around because i'm like why are you here <laughs> go away <laughs> and stop smiling like that you freaks like that was <laughs> 
that whole thing was just really strange. What naked people? You don't remember all the naked people <laughs> that just in the appeared? end of the movie? Yeah, like first it was the naked. I mean, dude. you know, at that point, I wasn't expecting much, to be honest. I just, I just didn't understand where they came from or why they were there. And then when it was all revealed, what the hell was going on? I was kind of like, this is the weirdest shit. I've. It just, there, there were a lot of creative license that was taken, and it just, I just didn't understand. I was more confused than anything. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't like trembling in my seat. I was more like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I'm reading the wiki synopsis for Hereditary. Do they just give best horror awards to any movie that comes out? I think they do at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think this movie deserves to be nominated for best horror. Because I'm and reading it- and give, it, give it to none. <laughs> it, and it took a really long time to start, too. That's what really got me is there. it was unsettling in that there were eerie camera angles and strange music cues. And I'm just like, what the fuck? The mom looked out of it the entire movie. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I already know there's something going on with you. And it just took a long time for the actual meat of the movie to come into play. And then it dragged. So meat, it was quiet meat quiet then a little bit of unsettlingness and then it just full-blown pandemonium until the end of the movie so i was like the the pacing was really strange Mm -hmm. irritated me really badly so i can't i couldn't enjoy it i was bored half the time and then when things finally happened i was confused so i didn't enjoy it at all i i find it kind of cheap when horror movies are kind of in a bust in regards to like where the script is going so they just add in a bunch of supernatural cult elements i know that's a really easy thing to lean to but it's super played out and it's it's really lazy writing agreed like, in a sense agreed now artistically i can understand it did invoke that feeling in me that made me you know kind of be like what the hell is going on like i was i was uncomfortable throughout a lot of the movie. And I think that lends a lot to the direction of the film where again, they had really weird camera angles and the lighting was strange. The musical cues came in at the weirdest times. And even some of the situations where they focused on the characters themselves, it really did like it, it made me apprehensive for what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. But again, I was very disappointed when I finally understood. And then I was confused even more than when the movie first started. (laughs) So I'm like, what? So spoiler alert here, but uh so at the end of the movie it says that the the girl beheads herself. She decapitates herself while a bunch of naked cult members are looking and then there's more decapitation and I don't know. I feel like all this senseless gore and violence is just to make up for the fact of how much this movie was lacking and everything else. Yeah, like, like it, it was just really strange. It didn't make I any agree sense. With that. Uh, okay, I remember where I've seen this movie before. I remember a few days ago, I actually watched one of those like top 10 like best horror movies of 2018, and this was one of them. And I remember it showed a bunch of feature clips from the thing, and it said that it was really outstanding in regards to the cinematography for the thing i, I can't really tell for sure because i haven't you seen know why yet, but yeah why they have money <laughs> they have <laughs> money to hype it up mm. well maybe i'll watch it just to complain about how bad it is 
Because that's what I do with most horror movies. I haven't found a real good one in a while. Now, one movie okay. I... Wait, 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 wait. One movie <laughs> that I'm really interested in seeing is The House That Jack Built. Um, that came out this year. Because apparently during the, during the screening of it, critics actually walked out of the film. Because of how disturbing the imagery was. And um, I mean, apparently it's, it's a lot like torture porn. From the way it's described. Oh, okay. I okay. I remember. I saw this movie too because it. Um. Yes, I remember uh, seeing another video about this movie too. So the guy who made this movie, uh, he made a previous film for a film festival, and that one was also so gory and bad that they, uh, a lot of people walked out of his thing. So he's very notorious for making movies that are a bit harder for people to stomach. So yeah, I think I'll be watching that too. Yeah. So basically, here's the thing. All right. Here's the thing. Most horror movies have been trash. So critics are going to be trash as well. So they're a bunch of pussies. Boom. Explain. Anyway, so <laughs> this movie that's really psycholo- uh that's really good. It's a horror thriller. And I watched it. And I, I, I talked about it in the podcast as well before. But it's, if you're looking for psychological horror, I would, I would suggest you watch Unsane. It's not insane. It's Unsane. Okay. okay. It's pretty good. It's about a girl that has a uh, that has a stalker, or she thinks she has a stalker. But you'll watch it, and you'll see. And uh, can I go for Venom now? Can I talk about Venom now? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. I'm not gonna spoil anything. Okay. You'll watch the movie when you watch the movie. But here's the deal. I saw a lot of people talking. Or saying that the movie was bad, yada, 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 yada. But I think the movie was good. I think the movie was good. Nothing, you know, impressive or anything. But the movie was good. It had a lot of action. I think the CGI was good. Venom looks cool as fuck. And he's kind of... He... Again, I'm missing the words now. I'm always blanking. But he's kind of a good representation of what it is in the comics and the cartoons. And if you remember, if you grew up with this, you will remember that the cartoons, Venom was this massive dude, <laughs> like massive beast against Superman. And same thing with the, the, the comics. Who did I mention first? Man, my memory. But it is a good representation of that. I think Tom Hardy does a good job as well. The movie Ooh, has, Tom as Hardy. I mentioned, a lot of action like a lot of action. There's a lot of fighting. There's also what seems to be a a regular thing with Marvel movies lately, which is comedy. They're really, really betting on a lot of comedy lately. And there's a lot of comedy in this movie as well. Like little comedic moments that happen with, with like the way they are acting and whatnot. As, as you can see, if you remember Robert Downey Jr., there's a lot of comedic things or says a lot of comedic things. Uh, in a cocky manner, Thor typically acts as like a dumb guy or something, which is like, you know, muscular god or whatever, kind of dumb. Uh, the Hulk also has those comedic moments. If you remember Loki and the Hulk, you know, the puny human, you know, or puny god, whatever. And um, yeah, so it's it's kind of like a constant with Marvel at this point. So, but I get, I like the movie. I think the movie's good. Again, the CGI is great. Uh, and I want to highlight 
I want to highlight the people that uh, acted sort of the transition of one of the symbiotes. I'm not going to spoil anything, but transition the one of the symbiotes throughout different characters. And I want to highlight them because, yeah, Tom Hardy is the, the protagonist and whatever, you know, cool and whatnot. But I, you know, these people typically are good actors and they're acting there and doing these things and they're not really highlighted or anything. Uh, I don't think they did, and, and you know, like something insane or whatever, but I think it's cool to highlight them a little bit. You know, they're, they're, they're doing good and whatnot. So, yeah, I like the movie. I think the movie's good. Not impressive, but it's good. To be honest, um, I'm I'm a little biased because I love Venom, the character, and I also love Tom Hardy. So it's the best of both worlds. <laughs> like why why don't you love why don't you love um what's his name? John Goodman, I think. Because yeah, John, John Goodman, Goodman. Why don't you love John Goodman, huh? He's he's huh? like three times my age. No. And and Hardy isn't what like what? How old is Hardy? He's like uh, he's like late thirties, I think. Yeah, late thirties. Let me he's see. He's forty-one. Ah, I was close. Late thirties. He's forty-one. Come what on, bro. What else? <laughs> It's fine. Why? Why not love that that fat dude from Lost, huh? Oh, uh, I know Curly, Hurley. That's his name, Hurley. I, I, yeah, he's fine. Hi, hey, Big Papa, how you doing? He's fine. He's funny. Uh, superficial. <laughs> fucking. You know who's real fun? Ah, hey, <laughs> who? The Grinch. Huh? What, Jim Carrey? <laughs> Wait, yeah, are we talking Jim Carrey Grinch or? Yeah. Oh, Lord. I mean, uh, <laughs> Dice, are you a furry? I, I'm just saying. The Grinch I would not be surprised thick. at that, to be honest. <laughs> to be very honest, I would not be surprised at that. <laughs> no, I get that a lot and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, before this gets too far, uh, too, too further into something that get your blood just, pressure up. <laughs> thank you guys very much for listening to this podcast. I get heated with these fucking things. Thank you guys very much for listening to this. Um, <laughs> give us our opinion in the comments and whatnot with the deal about Article Thirteen. What do you think about it? Whether you agree with it, whether you disagree with it. Give us your opinion. What do you think about the future of mankind with the AI and the super smart intelligence and whatnot? Uh, super smart intelligence. That technically kind of makes sense. And yeah, tell us what do you think about the Christmas and holiday traditions and your, your rainy day customs and uh, what do you think about hereditary? And yeah, see you guys next weekend. See us. Bye. Farewell.